here and thanks for listening to the Adulting is Easy podcast, where we make adulting easier by making money easier. This is your host, Lauren. And I'm joined today by Paul Cromitas. Paul is the co-founder and CEO of Summer, pioneering a new approach to unlocking second and vacation home ownership. He's an accomplished operator and leader with over 10 years of experience growing and scaling teams across technology, real estate, finance, and strategy at Airbnb, Deloitte, Alfred, and Moody's. Prior to founding Summer, Paul was a product and strategy leader at Airbnb, where he led the integration of luxury retreats and the creation of the Airbnb Lux product. Summer also happens to be the sponsor of today's episode. Your new vacation home is closer than you think. Thanks for joining me, Paul. Thanks for having me, Lauren. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So our goal for today is to make adulting easier for listeners by discussing a personal finance topic, since managing money is a big part of adulting. So today, Paul, we're going to talk, as we could probably tell from that bio, about short-term rentals. But I got to ask, since you worked at Airbnb, what was it like? Uh, it's a good question. A lot of people ask it. It's, um, you know, it's, it, I was there uh, from early part of 2018 uh, through 2020. And it, it, it was a very exciting time, you know, um, not just at, at Airbnb, but I think, you know, in technology in general, and, you know, startups, um, a lot of money flowing in the ecosystem, definitely uh, uh, more surplus than there is today in the, the startup ecosystem. You know, that being said, it was a pre-IPO company. We were pre-IPO at the time. Um, I think a lot of exciting projects we were working on and sort of building and you know, very much this, um, there's a lot of rigor that comes with being a public company. And I'm sure, you know, Brian can probably talk better than that, uh, better about that than I can. But, um, you know, we we were, it was a, there, was this, there was this idea, I think at the time that we wanted to own everything under the sun from travel, right? Uh, it was, you know, from start to finish, uh, from the time you think about going on a trip to coming back to your apartment and everywhere in between, you can, you know, imagine what, what that might've entailed, but, uh, definitely no, no lack of imagination of what we wanted to work on at the time. We felt like the world was, world was our oyster, so to speak. And, you know, I, I think, uh, 2020 definitely, uh, changed a few perspectives both internally and externally in terms of how things shift, but it taught a lot of valuable lessons, both to, I think they're broader Airbnb team and you can see how they've really focused and sharpened the product and, you know, my hat's off to Brian and them in terms of what they've done um, since, since COVID hit. And, and I think even for myself, some of the lessons I learned through, through living through that process, both internally at, extra, at Airbnb and then, you know, being out and seeing what's happening in the, in the broader economy. So of course we got basically the entire world shut down. All these reservations were canceled. I had a host on who was, um, supposed to have $1 million of reservations in Tokyo for the Tokyo 2020 Olympics that came on and, and spoke with us, uh, you know, about a year or two ago. And so that was an interesting time. What do you think, some of short-term though, what do you think the long-term effects of COVID are going to be on the short-term rental, vacational rental, seasonal rental, whatever you want to call that space? Yeah. Um, the big lesson I took away from the whole thing was uh, travel doesn't stop. It was really interesting, right? Like I, I found myself on a personal note. I, I live in New York City. Uh, I found myself spending a good chunk of 2020 in Florida uh, at my mother-in-law's house. I, I, I did not think I'd be spending much chunk of 2020 in Florida, right? But I think many people have a similar story. They spent a lot of time in other places, and um, you know, I think what it taught us. And if you go back and, and look at the evolution of travel. Um, people don't really stop traveling through recessions or through changes with COVID. Travel just ebbs and flows and it adjusts and it 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 it, it looks a little different. And what that meant in 2020 was, you know, all of a sudden a lot of the uh, urban stays, the 
you know, stays that had been the staple of Airbnb up until that point, when you think about what they were really living into, the density you get in being in, uh, you know, an urban market, apartment buildings, things like that, all of a sudden, no one's staying in cities anymore. Everyone's fleeing to uh, suburbs or fleeing to rural stays, and, and, and they're going from short weekend trips to long-term stays. The long-term stays becomes an increasing book of business where, you know, people are staying two, three, four weeks in certain places, uh, and all of a sudden, those places are in demand, Right. So what I think about is, uh, you know, if you're going to be doing anything at scale in the short-term rental space, um, one, you have to be focused on having a, a portfolio of some kind that can ebb and flow to meet those changes, right? You want a mix of rural and urban. You want a mix of, uh, you know, long-term stays and short-term stays, the capacity to be able to do both and, and, and kind of ebb and flow to meet the demand where it is. Um and I think that's also reflected to the second part of your question on, uh, you know, how I see the space sort of evolving. I, I think it just increased the amount of interest from, you know, the average person uh, that I talked to there, there's, there's this healthy degree of curiosity. You know, Airbnb came around in 08, they started the company. Most people at this point, you know, I think the mid 2010s is when people really started to, you know, identify and, and hear about this company, Airbnb that was doing things in the space. And now there's VRBO and there's booking and there's all these other players and, you know, everyone, my, my parents are in their seventies. I think they've even looked in Airbnb at this point. I think everyone's kind of done it. And, and there's this healthy degree of curiosity now where we're hitting a moment where uh, the average person is really becoming curious about these assets and about real estate and the short-term rental space. They're not exactly sure how to get into it, but I think people think there's a way to make money here and there's a way to get into this. I'm just trying to figure out the right thing. So I think that's one thing I see is a healthy degree of curiosity amongst uh, the general public in this space right now. I can attest to that. We have you know, we have four properties amongst those, there's 11 different short-term rental units. And so we do kind of rotate around our properties. So when we run into guests, they're asking us, do you own this? Did you do this remodel? Did you do this yard? What is it like? You know, and they're all, and what I always found interesting is, I mean, until very recently, I had a, a full-time job. My husband still has a full-time job. They thought we were doing it full-time and like making crazy bank off of it. And so I kind of thought that was interesting. So I've noticed the, uh, I've I've noticed the the curiosity there, and then we of course will make good money, but we've been adding and expanding, and so you know we're kind of always in startup you know, <laughs> setup mode. Um, so what are you seeing right now in this space? We covered you know 2020. It seemed like 2021 we had kind of 2021 to some extent 2022 this rebound, but what are you seeing out there right now in the market? Well, you know I think it it you're definitely not seeing what you saw a couple of years ago. Right. Um, I, I think there's this, you know, there's this article, uh, we were talking about Lauren and it got circulated, uh, a bunch to me and other people. I think the wall street journal had it back in December something around the Airbnb bus. Right. Um, you know, it, it turns out, you know, a couple of people got excited. They went out and, you know, bought properties during, you know, COVID and threw some furniture in there and figured, Hey, I'll just make some money and cover for my debt and make a profit. Right. And, um, you know, I think what a lot of people realize is it's a little harder than that. And you can probably test this as well, being an owner and operator for some of these, like it's a little harder than that to actually make money, um, especially in certain markets. Um, you know, certain markets have just become oversaturated with, with supply. It's basic economic supply and demand. And there are absolutely areas throughout the country right now where you can generate a significant return and, and, and make some money. And it's not even, uh, you know, a, a question, um, and other places, 
you could stand something up and you've really got to be the cream of the crop to be making any type of substantive returns because there's just so much out there in terms of a supply where you have to be doing something different to try to catch the attention of of a potential renter, right? When you're looking at a pool of uh, uh, of vacation rentals that you can book yourself, like what are you what are you standing out for? Is it consistency? Is it uniqueness of the experience? Is it certain amenities? Is it proximity to uh, you know sites or things like that? There's a lot that goes into this that doesn't go into a traditional real estate purchase for most folks' primary residences, uh, and that's sort of the black box, right? That's what people are, are dying to get access to and understand better. But um, yeah, there, there's certainly money to be made out there. Um, you just need to know where to look and, and how to phone, how to sort of hone in on it. I'm glad you mentioned that. Basically, it's it's regional, and we see a lot. The real estate market is going to crash. I mean, that couldn't almost couldn't be more broad. We're not even talking about different asset classes at that point, and we're not even getting into the regionality of things. So, what are some of those areas that you're seeing that might be saturated right now? I think you, 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 know, you, you look a lot in the Sun Belt, um, you know, Phoenix, Arizona, some of these areas, um, you know, you kind of have the perfect nexus of a lot of supply grow- going up simultaneously, whether it's new builds, new construction. So obviously a lot of places throughout the country that have, uh, you know, the perfect storm where you've got lax or, or more friendly regulations towards new development, and new construction, you've got more friendly regulations towards short-term rentals and Airbnbs. Um, and combining that with at least what was one point a healthy amount of demand um, for some of these products, it kind of creates the perfect storm where a lot of people go out, they buy cheap apartments or cheap homes, they, they stand them up, they get them running, uh, and kind of give a false signal to a lot of people in 21 uh, around like, hey, this is an area where I can make some money because everyone's making money, right? But it's not a true predictor of whether you can actually make money unless you can make money when the things are a little down like they are now. Uh, and, and I guess we really think about it from a, you know, almost like a, you have a base case scenario, a bull case scenario, and a bear case scenario uh, when you look at a property. And, and that accounts for the variance in economic cycles that none of us can predict. I can't predict that. You can't predict that. You know, I, I don't even know if the Fed can predict it, right? But uh, you have to be able to take a nuanced view of the property itself and what you think that home can do. Um, and then you layer in your assumptions on whether the economy is up or the economy is down. Cause even the best properties will see, you know, sometimes a little bit less if the belts are tightening, so to speak, um, in, in an economic cycle. And one other thing to note, I, I think quickly, that's a, an important distinction. Um, it's important to sort of think about where you're tiering these homes in the marketplace as well. Right. Um, you know, certain areas are more geared towards bigger assets, bigger homes. These homes are more be more expensive, right? And those homes come with a larger monthly cost, uh, clearly in terms of a mortgage. Um, guess what? If you want to make that money back in that mortgage, you have to be renting that home out for more money on a per night basis. So now all of a sudden you're sort of thinking of yourself, you know, am I in the short-term rental marketplace? Am I tearing myself in the luxury tier towards that customer? Am I tearing myself in sort of a the upper middle tier, uh, the, the comfort plus, if you want to call it that, or the <laughs> business class of, of short-term rentals, right? Or am I tearing myself to just sort of standard marketplace or economy? It's, it's, it's very similar to how airline pricing works. Um, and, you know, I, I, I personally think that the, the the sweet spot to be is sort of that business class comfort plus. Uh, you, you get a lot of people, you know, tightening the belt that are first class travelers, so to speak, luxury travelers who maybe don't have as much this year to spend. So they come, they still take a nice vacation, but they're going to dip down a little bit. And then you have people stepping up for a nice occasion. Maybe it's a group of friends. 
Uh, maybe it's a, you know, get away with your, your, your loved one, a honeymoon, whatever it may be. They, they want to you know, support a little bit more than just sort of four walls and a bed. Right. Uh, I think that's where you see a lot of the consistent returns that let someone stand out in a lot of these areas. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think to your point earlier about diversification too, I think you probably can in some instances own some in all of those different tiers. You can have the locational diversification and you can have these different tiers. You can have different sizes. That's something that uh, that we've looked into for sure. We've got some comfort, some comfort plus um, in these different areas. And I always have talked about the, I like, I, and here in Florida, I have these kind of regional driving markets. It's not really, I mean, we have these stuff out, these ones outside of Tampa Bay. And so some people are flying into vacation, but a lot of times we get people that are driving from different areas. And I always think those people may not come in a recession, but the people that used to fly, maybe they will. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Um, the, I think the driving customer, um, is actually more interested. I, I I think at least we found in our business more interested in being ultimately a potential buyer of one of these homes than a consistent renter. To your point, um, and that some of the research we've we, we've dug into, about seventy five percent of people who would potentially look to buy a vacation rental or an investment property or, or so on and so forth want that home within three to four hours driving distance. For a lot of the same reasons you probably look at having yours within driving distance, right? You you want it to be easily accessible. You spend any time there. If you have to do anything to it or get to it, it, it it's not a flight away, right? Um, about 25% are open to having it be, you know, a flying destination that they buy in. Um, but when it comes to actually renting those homes, um, you know, clearly people are much more willing to travel around and fly to different places. Um, and for anything they want, if they're going to be splurging on one vacation a year or two vacations a year because the economy is down and, and, and that's all they can afford that year. Yeah. You, you maybe want to be able to get away. If you live, live in Chicago, like taking one vacation a year, I want to be able to get to Florida. Right. Uh, and maybe, maybe driving a couple hours in February isn't, isn't exactly where I want to go with my time. So uh, you'll probably try to make that happen. Absolutely. Yeah. Florida's definitely where you want to be in February. I can attest <laughs> to that. So I get this question a lot about, I, I have 11 short terminals and three long terminals. And people kind of ask me, why is that? And I was just wondering if you could tell us, you know, why you might prefer short terminals over long terminals. Yeah, it's um, it's a, it's an interesting question. Um, at its basic principle, um, when you look at both, both assets, um, and I think, you know, in the real estate industry, people get, people get very, um, bogged down and you know the the nuances between the products and the, the assets themselves at, at the end of the day these are these are four walled residences right whether they're condos apartments homes um and typically as long as they're legal to be utilized they can be utilized for both long and short-term stays now um short-term stays at their core are at least how airbnb defines them um less than a month right um it is up to a month long it could be two weeks it could be three weeks right um However, it is inherently not something that someone is signing a month-long 30-day uh, lease for or a 12-month lease, right? Um, that is what is defined as a short-term rental. Um, and inherently, through the pricing model, you can command more on a nightly basis for that short-term rental than you would be on a long-term rental in terms of it, just basic like days to dollars, right? If I took someone's, you know, if you paid, a, if you signed up for a 12 month lease on an apartment uh, anywhere in the country and divided that 12 month payment, that monthly payment by the 30 or 31 nights that you're spending, 
chances are that's that's actually going to look like a deal compared to what someone could earn in the short-term rental space every single night if that home were booked, right? And if that market had demand for a healthy short-term rental inventory. Um, now that's where the volatility comes in, right? In the short-term rental space, it's highly seasonal. Um, it's highly seasonal based on the market itself and the weather, right? I'm in New York, uh, not too many people going out to the Hamptons in January, right? Uh, even in Florida, uh, not as much inventory uh, wants to get booked in uh, you know July and August in the Miami area, right? Like that's not exactly where people want to be. However, um, you know it, whether it's geared towards weather or events. There's Art Basel in Miami. There's you know the festival season out in you know the Coachella Valley and in, in, in Joshua Tree in Palm Springs. Like you see these ebbs and flows, and you see the cyclicality, and there can be substantially more money made in those high seasons and in those peak seasons. Um, in the short-term rental space than you could command on the traditional 12-month lease. So ideally, if you're an owner-operator of any of these assets, whether it's long or short-term uh, rentals, you kind of want to be gearing towards um, an, an annualized return on the asset itself that feels right for you. And, and I, I don't know your, your personal situation with these properties, but I'm guessing you've probably done the math yourself and thought about on these properties, the short-term rental play makes sense. And I can average that out over the year and be able to pay off my mortgage plus some and make money. And in other properties, it makes sense to have the long-term rental with a 12-month lease. I actually have my long-term tenants as narcs. <laughs> I, that's 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 a joke guys but um yeah like i have them i have like a duplex where one side's long term and i have a six unit where two are long term and they keep wow. an eye on things for me yeah, you know yeah. make sure it doesn't that's get a little it. too rowdy um and also it does balance <laughs> out that that cash flow a little bit and it gets to the point where if you have too many units in one place you i, I feel like i'm competing with myself um and i yeah. do also want to offer housing to some people you know it, it also, it, it's a great point, right? Um, you know, you, you can, there, there can be over, you know, too much density, so to speak, in one, in one area, depending on how big that area is yourself, you could be, like you said, competing against yourself. You're also leaving yourself exposed, potentially, if you're, you know, if you think like a portfolio manager, um, you know, a great example would be if you had 50 homes and all homes were in Miami, uh, you know, guess what, if a hurricane comes through, and knocks out your entire portfolio, there, there you go, right? Uh, you do want to have a little bit of diversification uh, if you really want to start leaning into real estate investing. Absolutely. So are there any downsides to owning a vacation rental versus a long-term rental? Yeah. Uh, it, you know, I, I think <laughs> to, to the point I made earlier, if you're buying the wrong asset and thinking that you're going to be able to make a bunch of money in the space, um, you know, it, you, you can't end up on the wrong side of one of these transactions. Um, and, and maybe you have to figure something else out, whether it's, you know, selling the property, changing to a long-term rental. Um, but not every market is, um, is great for this asset class. Um, you know, I, I'll speak in terms, uh, that, that are familiar to me being up here in New York. Um, you know, there are a lot of commuter areas right outside of the city that are excellent, excellent, areas to live in, you know, a lot of areas in North Jersey, Westchester, you know, um, very uh, nice areas with nice, you know, the, the suburbs, so to speak, uh, nice homes, um, significant, significant property values in these areas for long-term rentals, right? Um, or sorry, uh, yeah, 12-month leases and, and, and sort of, uh, you know, people buying those homes and commuting into the city. Um, but 
they are actually not great at all for short-term rental properties. Uh, you know, standing up a short-term rental in, you know, Bergen County isn't, isn't really the move for a lot of people because you have to be asking yourself, well, who's renting this? Is this a destination people want to be in and vacation in and spend time in? You, when you get into the short-term rental and that gearing towards cash flow and that customer, you almost have to think like a hotel operator, right? Um, you know, there's, there's, there's hotels in every town throughout the country, you know, um, even, you know, these areas that I'm just mentioning that aren't great for short-term rental have, you know, whether it's like a long-term stay hotel or just sort of your basic hotel, but the areas that they're not, they're not gearing up for vacation travel. They're not gearing up for, they're not, they know they're not a destination for anyone's spring break or summer break or anything like that. And if you're going to be buying one of these properties, you have to be thinking about where that demand is really getting channeled to, where am I going to be making that money? Uh, you know, in, in, in these seasons to actually justify the expense of the purchase itself. I talk a lot about that, where you have to really think about who your ideal guest is going to be, whether it is it families, is it business travelers? In my case, is it retired couples coming to Florida? Right? So. <laughs> the great niche, <laughs> a lot healthy demand, I'm sure. No, yeah, definitely. Um, especially when there's no stairs. Um, so <laughs> important, um, important consideration, all jokes aside, these are the things you have to be thinking about when you're really gearing towards your customer. It, it's a serious thing. Exactly. No, it def- definitely is. Where, what are you expecting? I know we don't have crystal ball, but what, what do you think the short-term market short-term industry is going to have for, in store for us for the next year or two, or how, you know, however long you want to guess. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. Um, the longer the prediction, the, the, the more grandiose and, uh, less accurate typically. Um, but I, I'd say, look, I think the, you know, the broader economy, uh, I'll speak in like big picture and kind of drill down. I think at, at, a, at a big picture level, uh, I think a lot of us are hoping and thinking, you know, that, that the job is done, so to speak, and, you know, or close to being done from a fed perspective and interest rates are, you know, probably not in my opinion, going back down to where they were before this for a long time, if, if, you know, a very long time, let's put it that way. Um, but I do think that, you know, coming down from, you know, where they are today, uh, a couple percentage points uh, is probably uh, not too far in the future for a lot of people. So I think you'll see some of the normalization there, stabilization, uh, inflation, you know, it looks like it's cooling off. Um, I don't think you're going to see massive amounts of capital injected into the system again. Um, for a bit, but um, certainly at least won't be actively trying to withdraw capital, I think, from a from a regulatory big picture perspective. Now, how does that play a role in, in, in this space? So, um, you know, I think you'll see any type of downturn that you saw the last year or so in some of the yields that these short-term rental properties will have. I think, you know, you, you as an operator, you're now able to sort of establish, hey, I had a... <laughs> I had a pretty nice bull case back to what I was saying before in 21, right? Like best case scenario, everything's flowing. Money's just robust and abundant in the ecosystem. Here's what I could be doing. Now I've got a pretty nice bear case to underwrite too as well, right? Uh, if you can kind of understand what these properties were doing over the last year, it's probably not going to get much worse than that, right? Uh, or at least in that ballpark. So you can kind of, now you've got a, a top and a bottom to really underwrite and think through of like, well, you know, if I can get something in that range, is that something that's going to work for me and work for my investment and for myself, right? Um, but there will be a culling for sure. I, I think a lot of people, when you're underwriting only to that bull case scenario a few years ago, uh, a lot of people are going to realize that, hey, maybe I made the wrong investment trying to chase alpha, trying to chase something here. 
um, over the next few years. And I think you'll see a bit of a supply opening um, in terms of homes that are going up for sale or pivoting to 12 month, uh, 12 month rentals, because, uh, you know, a lot of folks are learning the hard lesson that it's a little harder than just buying a home and throwing it up on Airbnb or VRBO and Verbo making money. Um, so I think all in all, all, and that's a good thing, by the way, I, I would say one other thing we see a lot is, um, you know, on, on our platform, there's no shortage of demand. There's no shortage of people who are interested in buying homes or, or are very curious about the process and getting into it and sort of uncovering things, but there is not a ton of supply out there right now just to buy in terms of inventory in the United States in terms of housing stock. Um, you know, I think a, a, a weird quirk on the situation that we're in is, you know, at very high interest rates, everyone thinks, oh, prices are, prices are going to drop out. They're going to bottom out, right? You must be seeing rock bottom prices. Is anyone uh, jumping on this stuff? And, and you're like, no, because that person that was going to sell is now pulling their home off the market because they're sitting there saying, well, if I sell this thing, now I've got to go find a market somewhere for 6% myself. And where am I going to be buying? Right. Uh, so I, I think you've had some people just pull their homes off the market or, uh, you know, a, a shortening of the supply window. And I, I think that would probably be all in a nice sort of culling of, of, of the ecosystem, so to speak, to kind of reset things here over the next, uh, I'd say 12 to 18 months. I agree. And I sort of wonder from the arbitragers perspective if we're if that's where we're going to see a good amount of the calling the people who rent from long-term landlords and then become a short-term rental host in those units i wonder what we're going to see there because i wonder if they were like you said underwriting these bull cases and they have a pretty easy out they don't even have to sell they don't have to worry about the industry they'll do they basically just have to sell their furniture so i'm, I'm sort of curious about how that how that group's going to fare yeah, no, it's it'll be interesting to watch for sure. Um, it, there's 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 a lot of changes that are afoot in the space, um, but you know I'm 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 biased, but I'm clearly bullish on it. Uh, I think the the space as a whole is 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 rapidly evolving, and when you're looking for opportunities in in real estate, um, you know there aren't too many asset classes, there aren't too many things that have been out there or that that are new to the space. Most of this has been out there for. 40, 50, 60 years, if not longer than that, in some cases, right? And short-term rental is really a thing that uh, I think is it, it, this decade is sort of hitting the institutional radar as well. Like, I, I think you will see over the next decade, a lot of the institutional money, some of these bigger real estate players are also getting curious about this. Because if if your average mom and pop around the kitchen table is, is, is getting curious about this and reading about Airbnb and things like that, you can bet some of these big institutional players are also getting curious. And I think once those folks get involved, um, you'll really start to see uh, a lot of proliferation and sort of edification in this industry around things going up. That's a good point. So can you tell us a little bit, Paul, about Summer? Yeah, happy to. Um, so I uh, you know, created Summer a couple of years ago, um, really based off of uh, some of the learnings I had at Airbnb and, and, and just some of what I was seeing in the space. So, um, you know, uh, Airbnb is... And, and, and the short-term rental space as a whole really uh, lacks quality supply um, to the point I was making earlier. If you are a quality provider, you are in that top tier of short-term rental provider. If you have you know consistency in terms of the amenities you're bringing and the quality of the experience you're bringing, right? People are looking for some of that consistency in the experience akin to what you get when you walk into a hotel. A lot of people want to know what they're getting beforehand. Um, you can actually do pretty well for yourself in a lot of these cases, right? Um, however, uh, 
there's not a ton of ways for the average person to get out there and try to understand, well, what does it take to be one of these consistent cash flowing and yielding short-term rental properties? How do I stand with these things up? What, what makes that good home versus that bad home? What's a good market versus a poor market, right? How do you design it and furnish it to a certain aesthetic that's going to perform really well? What kind of amenities should I be thinking about in, in a market, right? No, no surprise, uh, you know, Hot tubs tend to do well in ski towns and pools tend to do well in, in Joshua Tree, right? But there's more there's more to it than that. Um, but that's certainly some of it. And then, you know, uh, there's the financing process of, okay, well, do I get a mortgage for this? And what does that look like? Do I have to put this much down or maybe it's 25% down or 30% down, even with good credit for some people? Um, you know, am I going to price it? Am I going to manage it? Do I put, if I put this on one of these sites myself, am I the one sitting there responding to, to hosts with, or guests with check-ins and, and, and details and whatnot? Am I, do I want to be doing that? Do I have a busy life and a busy job where I can afford to be driving that three hours? You know, I'm in New York driving upstate, for example, and changing linens. Do I get a cleaner? Like there's just so much ambiguity uh, when it comes to doing this for the average person. Um, and I started thinking about, well, if there's a way to sort of productize that flow for, for, for a lot of these people, uh, and make it easier and take the risk out of it, that's kind of where we, where we step in. So we really target, um, you know, sort of the average person, the middle, middle, upper class in a lot of cases, um, you know, what's interesting about most people out there is like, if you can afford a 20% down payment on, on one of these homes then you can, you can afford to do business with us. Um, we try to make it really easy. So we, we've created this model where you know, we help you find the right asset, we help guide you to a, a market, you know, whatever your parameters are, we'll take those into account, we'll sort of shop with you, we have broker partners in each of our markets that we work with, we'll help identify the right assets. And that's some of the proprietary technology we really work on top of funnel to identify the assets that are gonna yield pretty well for you versus others. Um, we help you design and furnish those to an aesthetic that we know is gonna perform really well and that we feel very confident in is sort of repeatable throughout the country and throughout other homes. It's not gonna be exactly the same as everyone else's home that comes through our platform, but of course there's gonna be some hallmarks of, of what we're trying to do from a brand perspective as well. That's, you know, we help you finance that purchase, which I think for a lot of people is, is, is sort of one of the bigger steps in the process. Uh, we have a try before you buy model uh, where you can put up 20% on the home um, and you know we take care of the rest, we'll buy the home ourselves you pay a flat monthly fee that equals your usage of the property. So if you say you're gonna go 30 to 40 days, you pay a monthly payment that equals your usage of 30 to 40 days time in that home. Um, you go whenever you wanna go with no blackout dates. When you're not there, summer rents out the home on Airbnb, Verbo, and our own platform. You have up to two years to decide if you wanna buy it back from us using the 20% you put down initially and half of all of the monthly payments that you made until that point, we add those up. In addition to the 20%, reduce your purchase price by that much. If you don't want to buy the home, that's fine too. You can actually take your 20% in full, no questions asked at the end of your term and walk away. We will keep, however, the entirety of the monthly payments that you made until that point, because it's effectively the same as you having stayed in that home for 30 or 40 days on Airbnb or VRBO that year, Verbo. Um, the, the, the key difference here during the rent home period is that when we own the home summer uh, and you are renting to own it or you're, you're trying it before you buy it here, uh, we make the entirety of the short-term rental income on that purchase. That is how I cover my operating expenses, my debt service on the property that I bought for you and make a profit. Um, it's also a conversion mechanism for you as, as, as someone who's trying this home out before you're buying it. We enable you to not just, we're not just telling you this is how we're going to do and this is what this home is going to perform like. Uh, we're actually showing that to you. We're showing you 
six, 12, 18 months of track record on this home. So you can understand that seasonality. You can understand how this asset is going to ebb and flow when the right times are, are to stay there, when you want to stay there. And it lets you kind of like take a vacation into something and build up some type of uh, purchase vehicle here where you can actually make a decision on that and see how that home's performing all the while. Now, uh, once you actually buy the home outright, whether that's one month in, six months in, you can buy it at any point up to 24 months, that's when it shifts to a traditional uh, property management agreement with us. Hopefully we've done our job and you, you, you've loved working with us and we'd love to continue to manage your property. And at that point, it's a revenue sharing model with us where now you are participating in all that revenue that you saw us generating for the last you know year or two years. Um, and we're gladly uh, able to continue to manage your property and keep it on the summer network. Uh, we also support people buying it outright themselves. Like I said, you can buy at any point from, from outright uh, or any point through that 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 two-year period. Uh, one last, I, I think, quick plug on the model uh, that's uh, I always forget and undersell. Uh, those 30 days or 40 days that you want to take in the home, whatever it may be, you know, you're really, I think what we strive to achieve here was create a way for people to actually own assets, own real estate, right? There's a lot of people that talk about, I can't get into something or you know, I live in New York, you can't buy anything for 400,000 in New York City. Like it's as crazy as that sounds. You can buy a very nice home, you know, two hours away upstate for, for that much money and and, and with the 20% down and make a lot of money and go to it, you know, 30, 60 days a year, whatever it may be. But, um, you know, it's this acknowledgement that people want to own real estate. People want to own assets and they don't want to wait till they're 65 to do that. They, they, they want ways now and smart ways to do that now. Um, but you can go and own this home and you can go for your 30 or 40, 50 days a year. But with that time, you can spend most of it in your home. You can spend, you know, 20 days a year in your home and you could spend 10 days a year. Uh, you know, Lauren, let's say you bought a home in the upstate here and you could spend 10 days a year at, uh, my home somewhere else across the country or someone else's home across the country. There's this ability. Uh, and a lot of our members get excited about other people bringing their homes to summer or buying homes through summer in other areas, because it gives them the opportunity to spend their time throughout this network of homes that are all high quality and all great performing homes, but you actually get to own a piece of that. You own one of these homes on this on this platform and can actually generate revenue from that. So we, we try to think through, make it the best of both worlds for people. You can stay everywhere and also actually own a singular asset and earn on that asset. You guys have really thought of everything. It sounds like <laughs> a lot of a lot of time and effort. I I I I spent on this business before we even raised any money or, or got customers. I uh, spent a solid year just thinking through it and making sure it was right. So hopefully uh, we let the, uh, the 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 product do its it, it, talking for itself. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? No, uh, just excited for, uh, for the future of the space. And um, you know, I think there's a lot of uh, opportunity being created in the space for a lot of people. And I'm just excited that we can participate in it and, and hopefully you know, expose more people to it. Uh, there's a lot of joy that I think we're, we're looking to create and that can be created in this space, whether it's just time spent with your family, time spent with loved ones, um, and, and also the monetary side of it. Like that's the best of both worlds to me. Tell me something better than being able to spend time with loved ones and also earn a little extra on the side. That's, that's the dream, right? So hopefully, uh, we can all participate in that here over the next few years. And why don't you tell people how they can follow summer and get in touch with you guys? Yeah, you can uh, check us out on our website, www.gosummer.com. Uh, we also have Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, all the social media handles at Start Summering. Uh, so you can follow us there. 
I will put that in the show notes as well. And guys, you can follow me on Twitter at adulting is easy on Instagram at adulting is easy real YouTube at adulting is easy. You can email me at real adulting is easy at gmail.com. If you like this episode, you may also like episode 98 about a host turning an actual bank to a short-term rental. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Hopefully Paul and I have made adulting a little easier for you. Mm-hmm.